you know you have a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. Season 4, Episode 18. Today's podcast is brought to you by my latest book, Jesus Every Day, which is a 366-day devotional that helps you to pray every single day. It's kind of the opposite of Jesus calling. Instead of Jesus saying stuff to you, you are saying stuff to Jesus, and you can start any day. You don't have to start on January 1st. It just is labeled day one, day two, day three, and it takes you through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So pick up your copy today, and that would be a great way of supporting this podcast. Also, if you would like to help continue the Restory Show to, to keep continuing, that's a really awkward way of saying that, but uh, you can sponsor me via Patreon. So um, just head on over to Patreon, and you will be able to in- punch in the Restory Show, and you'll be able to see where you can help it, as little as a dollar a month, and every little bit counts. So um, it's also in the show notes as well. I would also appreciate it if you could write a quick little two-sentence review on iTunes. That really helps. I think there's been about, well, about less than 50, so I really would love to get that number up to 100. Um, You can share it with your friends. That also helps as well. Also, if you'd like to share your story, you can do a quick little two-minute story. Actually, it's up to four minutes now. You go to marydemuth.com, upper right-hand side, there's a little microphone, and you can share your story. So I would love to have that on the next episode. So today I am going to share from my heart. So no guests today. And in the background, you might hear some noise. And that noise is my puppy, Daisy, who constantly thinks she needs to go outside, but I am not going to heed her wishes because almost all the time she is a dog who cried wolf. So anyway, hopefully she won't bark too much and we'll get through this episode. So I have been reading through, um, and by the time this podcast airs, I will have read through the Old Testament and New Testament chronologically in about two months. And that is a lot of reading. So I kind of gave up some TV watching in order to read a lot of Bible, an hour to two hours a day. And I did it chronologically, meaning I used a friend of mine, Keith Farron, his chronological reading plan. So I started, obviously I started in Genesis, but the next book after Genesis was Job. And so it's the way that you read the Bible in order from A to Z. And it has been a fascinating thing for me to do, especially during some pretty hard times. Whenever I release a book, I encounter spiritual warfare. And this Jesus Everyday book has been crazy. Probably the most spiritual warfare I've ever experienced, even Beautiful Battle, which was my book about spiritual warfare. So it's been a bit crazy, and we've had some hard knocks. My husband was in the hospital for a little while, um, just in the emergency room, thankfully, twice, not any longer than that. And uh, just some big things in our family that are uh, difficult and just the kind of stuff that comes out of left field that kind of sidelines you. And so it was really cool that the Lord prompted me to read his words so quickly in that short period of time, right around the time when everything was swirling. Before I continue, let me just say, if you like to be prayed for, you can go to uh, marydemuth.com. And at the very top of my page, there's this opportunity for you to sign up for my weekly prayer for you. So what happens is on every Monday, you will get a prayer in your inbox with your name in it, and that will come to you for the next year. 
So if you need to be prayed for and your Mondays are always frustrating, just jump on over to marriedmead.com and sign up for that prayer newsletter. It's in the spirit of Jesus every day. So anyway, what I wanted to share today was just my thoughts about running through the Bible so quickly and chronologically like that, and just some of the things that stood out to me, particularly when I was going through my own uh, some grief, anguish, uh, spiritual warfare, however you want to say that. I have to remind myself that God sees everything. I have to remind myself that God uh, is is at work even when I do not see him doing so. Or in one case, um, and I can't go into details about this, but in one case where I really felt like I had made, there had been significant progress in a relationship that had been a broken relationship for a long, long time, and things just went backwards fast. So even if there's like a relationship in your life that, okay, everything's going better, all those prayers that I've been praying for years have been answered, and then you experience a setback, even amidst that, the God who sits on the throne, the Holy One of Israel, He knows what you're going through, and He is still working out His plan. So I pray that that would be an encouragement to you as I remind myself out loud (laughs) to keep believing that, because sometimes it's hard when circumstances and relationships go south and they take a turn that you did not expect. So So I have 10 things that I want to share with you today. So uh, hopefully this isn't too frustrating or crazy. But the first thing that I've learned in reading the Bible chronologically is just the simple fact that God is the creator. He made it all. He created everything. And as I'm recording this podcast, it's winter. I'm looking outside in Texas and, you know, our winter is like 50 degrees. It's not really that Fahrenheit. That's not really that cold at all, but the trees are finally losing their leaves. And um, I'm just reminded of the beauty of this entire world and that God, our creator, made it all. And so there's something really nice about knowing not only that God is a creator, but he's sovereign over all, that he holds the whole world in his hand. He holds your heart in his hand, but he also sees all the things that are going on, all the injustices, all the sex trafficking, you know, all the bad political leaders, all the, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, all of that. He sees it all. He holds it all. He made this world and he is reign supreme over it all. So take courage. Number two is this one is really amazing to me. With the nation of Israel, God provided major miracles. He provided provision and instructions and warnings to them. All of this was so that they would have fidelity toward him, that they would follow him and love him. And so he tried to create the best kind of environment for them to follow him. And I love that too for me because I believe that's true in my life. I also believe it's true in your life. God has done miracles. He has provided for us. He's given us instructions in his word and warnings in his word about how we should live and, and so that there's no mystery. We're not walking around on this earth just thinking, well, I wonder what God wants me to do. We pretty much know it because it's in his word. But, um, I think when things get hard, I tend to forget, and boy, in this way, I'm much like an Israelite, I forget the miracles. I forget the Red Sea. I forget the parting of the Jordan. I forget uh, the manna on the ground. I forget the quails. I forget the water from the rock. I forget the big, huge things God has done. And instead, I myopically look at the things that I'm, I haven't yet received. And that can actually kind of be a selfish thing because you know, this world is not all about me and me getting what I want. And God's not Santa Claus granting us every request we want. He's a good, good father. 
And a good father disciplines his children, and he also doesn't give them everything they want, because then he would have spoiled children. So God gave just the right amount to Israel, and he gives just the right amount to us. And we need to remember, remember, remember what he's done when you're mired in depression or sadness about your current situation. Spend some time writing down what God has done and remembering it, or uh, to have a good conversation with a friend and tell them about what God has done. So number three, and even though God had done all of that, those miracles, the provision, the instructions, the warnings, even after all of that, I mean, he gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them exactly what they needed to know to be in covenant with relation with God and covenantal relationship with God. Even so, number three, Israel pursued other gods and they did it relentlessly. They pursued gods that asked uh, the detestable god Moloch, which asked their its followers to kill their children for his sake, Asherah poles where bad things were happening, Baal and all the the um, the gods that were in the places that the Israelites were conquering. They were warned repeatedly not to chase after them. But even so, they definitely were involved in idolatry and not just idolatry, but worshiping fashioning and creating these gods. They even would, um, in some of the eras of the kings, they would have in the temple of God, they would have Asherah poles and altars to these other gods. And guess what? (laughs) There's only one God. And I think a lot of us can just look at the Old Testament and think, well, it's not really for me because I don't have a little spirit house in my house where I burn incense to this little god or this little demon or whatever. We don't think that way, but in the American culture, we have so many idols. The idol of how we look, the idol of youth, the idol of fame, the idol of wealth, the idol of power, the idol of health, the idol of perfection, so many things that we pursue. And an idol is anything that you run to first before you run to God. And so he says to us, there's no room in the temple for both. There is only one holy temple. Now we are at the temple of the Lord and only one God to worship. And as I thought about that and I thought about the nation of Israel, I thought, wow, we're just like that. It's very easy to point the fingers of why would they even like create a God out of wood and bow down to it? It makes no sense because they even created it. But we like to worship the created rather than the creator. And often what that means is worshiping ourselves, what we want. It's all about my self-fulfillment, all about my truth, all about my happiness, all about my, 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 me, 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 my, my. And I want to just caution you right now and warn you about some false teachers that are out there in the world today who are saying that it really is all about your happiness and all about your joy and making choices that are contrary to biblical counsel. But because it's all about me and my happiness, then it's okay. So no, it's not okay. That is pursuing another God, particularly you are your own God, because you are making up those decisions without the word of God um, of what is right and what is wrong, and you're disregarding the counsel of the Almighty God. And so if a teacher is admonishing you left and right, all about you and your truth and your power and all of that, it's not true. It's, It's really about God's truth and his power. And our weakness is just the place where Um, Instead of trying to shore up that weakness and try to be better and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, it's really about 
driving us to the throne of God, because he is the strong one, we are the weak one, and that weakness is not something to be despised, but to be welcomed because it's the very thing that helps us know that we need him and we can't do it without him. So that's number three, that was a long one. Number four, yet, even so, God demonstrated his hesed, and if I could say it in the better way, it would be the hesed, but I, it's hard to translate in radio terms, but this is God's loyal love, his long-standing love, even when he deported the Israelites to Babylon and they were on the brink of complete annihilation and destruction. Still, he reserved a remnant and he preserved them. And he, you hear this lament of the Lord and throughout the Old Testament of, I've given you this, I'm this father to you, I've done this, oh, how I long to see you follow me. You see it in Jesus too, when he's standing over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the, the, the city that slays its prophets, this, this longing of him to gather them up like, like chicks. <laughs> um, this longing of our God who loves to demonstrate his loyal love to us. And the truth is, we cannot be loyal to him apart from the spirit that lives within us. And all of this points to Jesus, of course, but he always, always, always is faithful, even when we are faithless. And number five is just around that point. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus, whether it's the book of Revelation or the book of Genesis, you see the fall of man and God already had a plan in mind about how he was going to vanquish evil and send Satan into the lake of fire. And how did all that happen? It was because there was an innocent man, uh, Jesus, who is both God and man, who took on the sins of the world on himself. My sins, your sins, predator sins, everybody's sins. And he died um, that sacrificial death once and for all so that we could have a relationship with him. It is always all about Jesus. And so if someone is pointing you to some other thing that's going to make you happy, then be wary. Number six, Holiness actually does matter, but it isn't popular. And this is a message that I have been talking about for a while now. But you see, particularly in the Old Testament, you see people encountering God and what do they do? They fall on their faces. They worship God. They say, woe is me. They tremble. They are dismayed. They are freaked out. And you see it even in the announcement of angels announcing that Jesus is going to be born. People are scared. Just this idea of God's otherness, he is holy, he is set apart. And he says in his word in the New Testament, he says, be holy for I am holy. Now, again, that is impossible. I think the whole point of the Old Testament was to say, yeah, you can't do it, but I can. So here's a way we need to accept Jesus's gift that he gave us and then invite the Holy Spirit to, t to take up residence. That holy temple is now us. And I've said that before. Number seven is God is a pursuer of his children. You see this all throughout the Old Testament of that lament that I talked about before. He's always wanting people to be in relationship with him. The, the joy of it all was that Israel, he created this, this amazing population of people. And the goal was that Israel was going to be that light on a hill that drew everybody, the whole world to God. And they failed sometimes. They didn't always fail, but oftentimes they failed in that. And so when Jesus came, he became that light on a hill. He was the one that drew all men to himself. And you see Jesus talking about the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and pursues the one. He is a pursuer of his children. And now that what Jesus has done on the cross, God the Father's Son has done on the cross, he pursues all humanity with this amazing 
cry of his heart and a longing to be in relationship with you. He is a good father. And as one personally who has, who did not have a good father, it's hard for me to even talk about that or understand it or even articulate it to you because I still think I have a pretty skewed view of that. But reading the Bible and seeing his relentless pursuit of his children has been really helpful to me. Number eight is God doesn't really like pretending. He often throughout the whole Bible says that to obey him is better than lip service. Obeying him is better than sacrifice. And when we have kids, we intrinsically know this. So when my child rebels against me, when I had little kids and they rebelled against me, I would know that they loved me when they said that they would do what they said they would do. Or if I said, hey, could you clean up your room instead of begrudgingly stomping off to their room that they joyfully did it, that was a way that they showed their love for me. Similarly, he longs for us to obey him, and our simple, undecorated obedience means that we love him. So if you want Jesus to know that you love him, just do what he says. Obey him. It's not about putting on a show. It's not about pretending to be Susie or or John Christian or Bart, Ken and Barbie Christian. It's about being authentic and real. And it's about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And it's about when you are real and when you are authentic to let Jesus into those spaces because he loves us as we are right now, but he loves us so much that he wants to sanctify us, to set us apart as holy, to do new work. So I've heard lately of some folks who are like, hey, I just want to be real. I just want to be honest. I just want to be my authentic self, which is great, but don't stay there. I mean, (laughs) what I mean is don't stay in your sin. If your sin is your authentic self and you love to outburst at people and yell at them, well, that may be your authentic self, but I contend that sanctification is what's going to bring out the best part of you. And that's all about surrendering and letting go and letting God move in those kind of rough area, authentic parts of yourself. He wants you to obey him, which means being kind to others and being patient and not being angry all the time. Number nine is God is really after trust and repentance and faithfulness. So as I got perplexed over David and Solomon and how they disobeyed God in some pretty obvious ways, especially in having a multiple of wives, I was like, how can God call David a man after his own heart if he had all these wives? It doesn't make sense. And, you know, today in our society, we condemn people who, you know, have multiple wives. So this is not cool. But what I realized about David was that he especially in the Bathsheba incident. He wasn't good for a while there. He was trying to hide it and um, was the part of murdering uh, his Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, who was one of David's mighty men, which is so sad. I mean, this was a really huge violation. Eventually, through Nathan the prophet, David repented. And that, I think, is what God means when he talks about a person whose heart is completely his. It's not that he's after our perfection. It's that he's after our repentance. And so if you feel like that you've blown it and you'll never be the Christian that you're supposed to be, I would just lay that down because what really is important to the Lord is this trust in him and a repentance and a, and a setting aside and a laying down and a, a surrender. I think God's heart is that his children would surrender to him and admit when we're wrong. And that is what constitutes faithfulness in the Christian life, not 
not finding the spiritual to-do list and checking it all off. Uh, the Pharisees did that very well. They had the spiritual to-do list and they checked everything off, every jot and tittle of the law they were able to check off, but their hearts were far from God. It is time to break up your fallow ground, your hard heart, because it is time to seek the Lord. And that means repenting. It means saying you're sorry. It means asking God for help. It does not mean you trying to live this perfect life in your own strength. It's about you saying, I cannot do it. Will you please help me? Oh, how God loves his repentant children. And maybe today is a time for you to jump on uh, onto your knees and repent and ask for forgiveness. The last thing, number 10, is that God is near to the outcast. I see it throughout the whole Bible that he has an extremely tender spot for widows and orphans and people in poverty and those who struggle and those who are victimized by others. He also is just and eventually, someday, all of these people who have been predatory and who have harmed others, they are being seen by the Almighty, and everything will be made right someday. But God, even right now, has a heart and a compassion for those who are going through broken times. And He is near. He says, the proud I know from afar, but He draws close to those who are broken. Uh, he is near to the brokenhearted. And so if you're walking through that right now, especially at the beginning of the year, maybe you feel like your dreams aren't quite what they should be, or you're maybe even disappointed with God and what, how he has not answered your prayers, just realize that he will be near. That's If you are longing to be near to God, it's in your broken state that you're going to be the nearest to him. His nearness is your good. His nearness is what will help you through this next part of your life. And... Uh, Anyway, I just wanted to share all those little pieces with you. I would encourage you to read the Bible chronologically this year and maybe do it fast like I did. It was such an incredible blessing to me, and it just reignited my fire and my love for the Word of God. It's just, oh my goodness, it helped me in so many different levels, and, and I just would encourage you to do that. Thank you for listening to The Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Jesus, I do pray for those who are struggling today, and I thank you that your nearness is their good, that you are um, near to the brokenhearted. And Lord, we do lift up those prayers that have not been answered, or maybe those reversals like I've experienced where I thought things were better and they got worse. Lord, would you just be in the midst of those experiences because, oh my gosh, it's so hard. Would you pour your love on my friend today? Would you just lavish them with your presence? Would you help them to see that you are that you are the God who sees, that you see even the cries of their heart that they don't say out loud or even write down in a journal, but you know you're near to them. You know even those deepest parts. So Jesus, come, come. Help us not to be fake, but help us to obey you. Help us to trust you as our creator and help us to put those people in our lives who are frustrating us into your hands. Help us to live surrendered lives. And instead of being in control, help us to give you control. Show us where our idols are, where we are running to something other than you. And I pray that 2018 would be a year of surrender, Lord, a year of really standing back to seeing your miracles and, and what you want to do in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen. If you would like some more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash four 18. And may you live a brand new story this week.